This is The Newsstand, episode 60. We're recording this on Wednesday, June 22nd, 2016. I'm Ryan Gallagher, and joining me tonight, two folks from CriterionCast.com to talk about the amazing, extravagant, uh, huge September lineup from the Criterion Collection, along with a few other pieces of news and a lot of rumors. So to do that, I have David Blakesley. How's it going tonight, David? Hey, I'm glad to be back. It's been a few months since I've been on the newsstand, and I guess I picked a pretty nice month to make my return. Yes, indeed. And joining us to talk about this stuff tonight, we have Keith Enright. Hey, Keith. Hey, guys. I'm really excited. Um, thanks for inviting me to the mothership here. All right. So Keith is now a part of our team. And if you haven't been following along Yay. on the on the website, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, let's talk a little bit about what Keith does and uh, who he is and why he's now a part of our little family. Keith is the, uh, the, the fellow behind the Criterion Completion Facebook group, which which is a fun little group if you are obsessed with collecting the Criterion Collection as we all are and you need you if you feel the compulsion to be complete then uh that group is there as a kind of a uh something to kind of egg you along something to make you feel guilty when you're not complete uh <laughs> Makes me feel guilty when I am. Yeah, yes, we're kind it, of a support and enablement group there, you know, exactly. Like to, yes. to, to teach you how to handle your addiction in somewhat socially responsible ways. <laughs> More than anything, it's just to make us feel good about our addiction. Yeah, I'm not the only one. Hey, honey, you know, there's there's people worse out there than me. <laughs> hey. I know. I feel like we should all invite our significant others to the the group also, just so that they can see what everyone else behaves like. <laughs> they're the ones who really need to see the group and you know we we already know that, that there are people out there like us i'm not sure that would still be a i'm not sure that would still be a safe haven if we did that <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> the the criterion completion you know significant other survivors group or something yeah maybe like they that. maybe we need to create a group for all of our significant others for them to have their own little support group of you know uh you know significant others of criterion addicts well, I just have to come up with a fancier name than that. Well, my partner wants to be on the podcast, so I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> uh, you're recruiting if she's one of us. <laughs> Absolutely. So a few months after Keith created his uh, his Facebook group, he went and made a little website companion for it where he's gone and blogged about different aspects of the Criterion Collection and you know what it means to be complete and all the different forms of being complete and... Um, and just recently, just within the last couple of weeks, Keith has launched his own little podcast. Yes, I did. And uh, and so now Keith has and we've we've added that little podcast to our our network, and we uh, now consider Keith to be a part of the group. And so now he is uh, totally invited to all of the various shows that we do. And uh, here he is tonight to talk about the news. Well, thank you very much. So there is. I don't, you know, we have so much to talk about. So tonight we got to talk about the September stuff. We have to talk about, th there have been, there has been a flood of new phantom pages uh, added to the Criterion Collections website. And so while we don't have to talk about all of them, there are a few on there that have caused a little bit of controversy, a little bit of discussion amongst the fans. And so I thought it might be fun to talk about. We don't usually always talk about the phantom pages when they've been added, just because sometimes they don't lead to anything. And sometimes they're just so obvious that it doesn't really need to be discussed. But some of these more recent ones uh, are, are interesting. So 
maybe after we talk about September, we'll talk a little bit about some of the other rumored uh, titles that might be coming to Criterion. So let's talk a little bit about this September lineup. The first release in the the month is a Blu-ray upgrade. Carol Reed's Night Train to Munich, one of the last of the DVD-only releases from Criterion. This was back in June of 2010 when this came out. Uh, it was fun to go back and, and revisit the, the announcement post. That was, I think it was announced in March of 2010, which was when I was in South by Southwest. So I remember that morning, you know, riding the bus, going down to the movies. And that was back in the day when Criterion would actually announce titles, you know, on... Actually, you know what? I think that was like the Monday after the weekend. And so it wasn't really on the 15th, but it was still like, you know, early in the morning when Criterion would announce titles. And so you didn't have to wait all day refreshing uh, for the, you know, the new releases to be announced. When you could count on it. Yeah, exactly. When you could count on it. I mean, this time around... It was a little earlier in the day, although it was a day late. <laughs> it wasn't on the 15th. It was as usual, or, you know, as somewhat usual on the 16th. So, uh, Blu-ray Upgrade, Night Train to Munich. This is a movie that we discussed on the podcast um, about five years ago now, uh, back in June of 2011. And I distinctly remember uh, no one really liking the movie all that much on the podcast, but I think... Like so many movies in the collection, I I look back on it thinking like, I don't really remember why I don't like it. And so maybe I will give it another shot when this Blu-ray comes out. I watched it a couple of years ago with my, my in-laws. And for some reason, I, I really do like the movie. I find it a, a pleasant piffle of a concoction. And But yeah, I've watched the DVD two or three times and everybody I've showed it to, not real thrilled with it. So I feel like I'm a, on a short list of people who do like it. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely above average. It's 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 a pretty interesting period piece. Um, it it kind of makes me a little bit nostalgic for the times in you know several years ago in my Criterion Reflections blogging when I was going through all those uh, films made in you know the early nineteen forties and the World War Two years, and this is one of them. Although I never blogged about it because it was actually released after I'd already past that point in my chronology but i did go up back and catch up on it uh i definitely have a little thing for margaret lockwood you know she's she's pretty <laughs> awesome and and you know uh, just a, you know, a few months ago we talked about the uh, oh, what's that uh, the the uh, scandalous oh the scarborough or gainsborough pictures oh yes, so, yes and and yeah she did a pretty rip-roaring job in in the wicked lady and uh, so you know, there's definitely a lot of you know period flavor and 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 fun to be had there. But this just does cause, kind of beg the question, and kind of getting into some of the, the, some of this completionist stuff is like, at what point will I feel like I don't really need to upgrade this DVD to Blu-ray? You know, I, I mean, I've been kind of obsessive and and kind of, uh, you know, you know, thorough in 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 that pursuit. If there's a Blu-ray upgrade, um. I'm going to go ahead and get it. This is a DVD that I think still looks pretty good. Yeah, I was just watching it earlier tonight just to sort of see was there anything really obviously flawed or, uh, you know, but by this time, you know, the DVD technology, uh, the dual layers and Criterion's restoration efforts really seem to, you know, present a pretty good image. Now, I don't have a, you know, 75-inch screen or anything like that. So maybe you blow it up to that level and, and you know, you're going to really appreciate the Blu-ray. But... 
I, I suspect that I'll probably just be knuckling under in September or actually probably waiting to, for the November Barnes & Noble sale or something like that just to do my obligatory thing. But uh, you know, the DVD is a, still a pretty decent addition and doesn't look like we're getting anything really different other than just the upgrade. So I was a little puzzled by the choice. Uh, I didn't think of this as like a you know, a Hitchcock type of upgrade or, or some some other kind of, you know, real obvious commercial title. But uh, maybe the reputation is a little bit larger out there than, than I give it credit for. Well, with everything they have going on with this loaded month and Filmstruck and all of that, maybe this was just an easy one where they could say, you know, let, let's get one out there. People love the, the blue grades and here's an easy one. So toss it out. After this, I think Criterion released the uh the von sternberg dvd set and then um l'enfance new and then maybe one other one i think uh louis bluey i think oh louis bluey yeah, yeah those were the right. last mm-hmm. of the dvd only releases mm-hmm. that was it so yeah i wonder what if they i mean it's there's really no rhyme or reason it's so hard to to kind of uh plot a, a chart of what criterion might be working on next as far as these upgrades go so maybe they just had the hd master and they were like yeah we'll do this could be. Yep. So yeah, uh, and then the next week on September 13th, we're getting another Blu-ray upgrade, although Blu-ray upgrade in a loose sense of the term. This is a Blu-ray release of the Zatoichi box set. A Blu-ray downgrade, you might even <laughs> yes, call it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good term. We should use that. You might be asking, I, I have this on Blu-ray. Why would they be releasing? Why is it releasing again on Blu-ray? So... Um, a couple months ago, actually more than that, several months ago, this turned up on the uh, discontinued list on uh, over at the Criterion Forum. They kind of obsessively keep track of the titles that go out of print on this uh, di- this DVD and Blu-ray database over at Mike's Movie Mike's Movie Mayhem, and um, that one this one showed up there. And so I think when that showed up there, everyone correctly assumed that this was going to just be a dual format that was getting repackaged and uh, split apart. And sure enough, the dual format one went out of print a couple of weeks ago, and people were kind of quickly trying to find it at Barnes & Noble, and people were you know, trying to order it without it. Before it, the prices jumped uh, extravagantly high, which they did, um, and then Criterion went and announced this Blu-ray downgrade uh, of the release. Um, I love that word. That's a great. That's a great uh, way of describing it. Uh, and so now, uh, f- going from a twenty-seven disc box set to a nine-disc Blu-ray collection, uh, we you, you now have the chance to uh, save an inch of shelf space by buying this new box set. Only nine discs. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. It was 18 DVDs and and nine Blu-rays. That's 27 right there. But I right. do wonder what the you know the redimensioning of the box set is going to, you know, what kind of effect is that going to have? Because I mean, the you know, it's a really beautiful artifact. I know it doesn't fit so snugly on some shelves, especially if you push your shelves all the way to the back. You know, the the back of the frame there. Then it kind of protrudes out. Or, or you can put it sideways. I guess that'll make it fit more properly. But then, it takes up you know a foot and a half of your of your shelf or something <laughs> like that. So, so yeah. Those, so there's a there is an aesthetic thing for us, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, shelving nerds. But uh, you know, I'm happy to have my my uh, 
big fat box. Uh, it'll be interesting to see you know, what what the new one, the slim version, uh, looks like. And you wonder, you wonder if it's just the uh, the the sticker that was on the big box. Is that going to be the uh, the Blu-ray cover now? I actually emailed uh, Criterion about this and asked them what the new dimensions of the box will be. And it is going to be just as long and tall as the dual format one is, but it will be one inch uh, shorter in depth, I guess, in as far as like how much space it takes up when you put it on your shelf next to all oh, this okay. stuff. So it will be... So yeah, because they're, they're going to keep the same book inside and yeah. all of that, right? So okay. they're going to reprint okay. that or resize it. Okay. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it'll be 6.78 inches by 7.44 inches by two, uh, instead of the three that it is now, I think. Hmm. But, uh, no DVD only edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so curious that they, I mean, it's not really, I guess like that would have been a, you know, that's a lot of discs to still kind of reconfigure into another version of the box. And so I could understand that they're like, well, we're not who's going to go out and buy this DVD only version of the set. Let's just, you know, if people wanted it, that they could have had it. And now we'll, we'll make the Blu-ray only one. So people who are only interested in DVD have to get it with Blu-rays. That's very interesting. If they can find it and if they can, yeah. <laughs> and if they want to spend the money on the out of print version, that is now going right. to be like asking more money online. <laughs> I hope that they, uh, one, minor nitpick that I had with the box set when it was released that I mentioned on the podcast was that it doesn't have the spine number on the other side of the, when you flip it around, um, you know, you can either flip box sets to where they, you know, you can see the, um, you know, where it slides in, or you can flip it on the other side and, and on all the, you know, digipacks, they'll, you'll see the spine number and title, uh, except for the Zadoichi box set, which doesn't have the spine and title on the opposite side uh, sticking out, which is my preferred way of having them face out. Um, but it's kind of annoying that it doesn't have the spine number, and so I, I flip it around and show the spine number. Right, because there's even a little spot, that kind of that little blue uh, hill or mound that uh, that Zadoichi is sitting on. You, that, that number could fit right in there without interfering with the art. So Very true. Yeah. And if you want to have long, long, long conversations about this, come to the Criterion Completion Facebook page. <laughs> we'll dedicate a thread especially for you. So it's in, it's also curious that they didn't drop the price very much. Uh, you know, splitting this apart and having it be so many less discs, the price really isn't that much less than what it was before. It was, I think, like two twenty five um, as SRP. Uh, mm -hmm. For the dual format one, and now the SRP for the re this Blu-ray only one is one ninety-nine. So you know you're not really saving that much by getting rid of all those DVDs, and it has to just be you know. Although you are getting a lot of discs for your money, you know, still, or a lot of content, I guess, for your money. Um, you convince me. I'm keeping. I'm keeping my dual format. You don't <laughs> often hear me say that. I don't know, man. This an, an inch. You could save a whole inch. That's a lot of. Uh, you know, that's like maybe one and a half spines well I, I plan to knock out a wall next year for the next shelving so i'll be fine <laughs> all right so uh it will be fun to talk about this now in the in september when we do our chronicles episode we'll have a chance to kind of talk about the zaduichi box set now that we all i mean we all have this set anyway and so it's a matter of actually finishing watching all of these films i've gone through a number of them but this is a good excuse to uh finish watching them before that uh that podcast gets together. Mm -hmm. 
This was one of the very first, this was in that first group of dual format releases. This is that November 2013 when they finally unveiled uh, the dual format uh, editions. And this was one of them. This was like, you know, one of the biggest things that Criterion had ever released. Yeah, I think it was actually the very first dual format because Lenote was the last, uh, at the time anyways, was the last Blu-ray only release. And then next comes Zadowichi in the in the you know the big blockbuster there it really was it was such a an awesome spectacle when this thing first came out like could Criterion get so big but then of course there is the uh was it the 50 years of Janus films which is even bigger but uh, that's a DVD only thing so yes and and way out of people's price range except for the you know the true maniacs among us hey, yeah. you got one right Keith <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> nice segue there. <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. I was waiting for it. But yeah, actually, for the price, for the list price that it has, I got it for um, under three hundred bucks. So that was not bad. Yeah, I'm envious. I mean, it's it's one of those things I never quite pulled the trigger on that in the uh, AK100 box. Those are kind of those holy grails that are still out there. Um, mm-hmm. But do, do you have an AK100? I don't. No. Okay. That's my uh, one big regret is not buying that one, but I'm sure they'll they'll make it. You know, they'll do right by us and release it on Blu-ray one of these days. Pretty please. So mm-hmm. the next week we're getting a Blu-ray release of. Okay, so do, do, I'm going to pronounce this the way that I think it's pronounced, but I'm not sure if this is correct. Jacques Tournay is that is that correct? His cat people. Uh, Turner works for me. Turner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Cat People is coming out on September 20th on Blu-ray. This is one that was teased at back in the April uh, newsletter when they had we had the, the couple sitting on a couple of chairs surrounded by cats, our little couple of cat people. Um, this, this drawing spawned a lot of conversations about what this might mean as far as how many of these Val Luton col- uh, horror films might be included in a collection from Criterion. And uh, shortly after that, Bill Sienkiewicz, the artist, uh, posted his uh, design work for the Cat People cover a little early and uh, kind of leading everyone to realize that this was only going to be a Cat People release unless there was to, you know, going to be several of these uh, covers to come. But as it turns out, just the one release, this was once upon a time a Laserdisc title. Uh, Keith, did you already buy this on Laserdisc before this was announced? I bought this on Laserdisc about eight months ago and watched it about two months ago. So I am directly responsible for this release. <laughs> Just to spite you, they did. Yep, exactly. All right, so you know, it, it's a it's a good movie. I, uh, I I guess I was a little disappointed that it's only the one because as as good as the movie is, the really interesting story is you know the whole Val Luton story of you know forty to forty seven or whatever, but. Yeah, it's it's it it definitely be- belongs in the collection. Well, there is that feature length documentary, which uh, I think kind of justifies the the full price because it's a pretty short, well, seventy three minute movie. So, yeah, they had to come up with some beefy supplements, and I think even though I haven't seen that documentary, it looks it looks pretty thorough, and and it might kind of fit the bill that you're thinking of there, Keith, as far as yeah. telling the Val Luton story, and it, it may still yet be a precursor to future releases of some of his other stuff from that era it could be i remember when this was on 
TCM a few years ago, the documentary, and I never got around to watching, but I've I heard many good things about it at the time. So looking forward to it. I think the most of the supplements are coming from this box set, the Val Luton Horror Collection uh, that Warner Brothers put out a few years ago. And uh, the only new supplement included on here is this interview with John Bailey uh, about the look of the film. But everything else, I think, comes from that that original DVD. Well, I've come to love John Bailey's uh, supplements. He's he's a real good talker about uh, this type of thing. He's been on a few discs lately. So the I can't remember what they are. No, yeah, definitely. I think he's been. I think they've even like posted stuff on on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, saying like, "Oh, we're talking to John Bailey about something." Um, the following week on. Hey, or no, hey, can I jump in? We yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. We, you skipped over one there. Yeah, I was uh, gonna. Oh, you're right. Wow, I totally. I totally, uh, I was, I scroll, I was scrolling up through the, the new releases and I realized, uh, you're right. So, well, you know, and that, and that seems to me kind of fitting because this, <laughs> this Mizuguchi film seems to have kind of been lost in the shuffle here a little Very bit. It's a, it's a masterpiece <laughs> and we're all raving about all the other glorious stuff and oh yeah, there's that little Mizuguchi uh, thing in there too. So <laughs> yeah, forget, forget about that. Have you seen cat people? <laughs> <laughs> You're so, so right. So yes, on so. September 13th, alongside the Zedoichi box set, we're getting the story of the last chrysanthemum uh, from Kenji Mizuguchi from 1939. Um, this one has been available on Criterion's Hulu channel and I think was teased at in the uh, wacky New Year's drawing. There was the little chrysanthemum plant uh, hiding behind the clock, I think, or next to the clock. Mm-hmm. So... Um, have you already watched this then, David, on, on the I, Hulu channel? I did. I watched, a, I kind of went on a Mizuguchi, you know, marathon thing a few years ago, kind of watched all of his stuff that had not yet been released. Because, you know, you, you just, you, you know, routinely, in fact, just the other day, I just invoked, you know, Ozu Kurosawa Mizuguchi. But, and, and you know, the Criterion has a, a decent sampling of Mizuguchi films. I I think Sancho and Ugetsu are the two that kind of are the most prominent. But he did mm-hmm. so many of their films that that were more you know more subtle and more subdued in some ways. Uh, still very very exquisite and very beautiful. So this is this is quite a powerful film. It's it's a long epic. It's it's to me a very uh, wonderful opportunity to see a pre-war Japanese film in high definition. And I'll be very fascinated to see just how this turned out because uh, i guess there was a blu-ray edition of this movie what artificial eye put it out in 2012 and and uh you know dr svet's review uh you know indicated that there were some kind of inherited you know flaws or you know there, there's there's some things that just the source elements of, of japanese films uh from that from that long ago just didn't always have the best preservation so you got to work with what you've got but uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll have a nice transfer of a, you know, of a really sublime um, piece of work, and it'll be nice to uh, kind of fill in some of the gaps in, in Mizuguchi's career and, and kind of broaden our, uh, you know, the general you know, appreciation for what he did, uh, so that you know his his rightful place alongside Kurosawa and Ozu is a little bit more understood as to why his name is kind of linked with with those two, you know, pretty great and pretty celebrated masters. Yeah, he's often, you know, he's always seems to be number three in that top three. Um, I'm fairly Mizuguchi ignorant at this point, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. And I watched a couple clips uh, before we started broadcast or recording tonight, and 
I need to go back. I need to get into this stuff right away because I was very, very impressed with a couple of scenes that I saw. And, uh, um, you know, I've heard the Eclipse viewer um, podcast on it, but I still just haven't gotten around to watching them all. Well, and no, it's, we actually, it's time. Oh, you haven't, we haven't done it? We haven't done Mizuguchi yet. We're going to be doing oh, it in September. Scott and I is going to be joining Trevor and myself. So we're going to have, a, as Scott put it, a very Mizuguchi September. So we'll be... Uh, oh, that's we'll be what, talking that's about right. this and and Mizuguchi's uh, Fallen Women, which is the Eclipse series set. So uh, he, he he you know he's not nearly the kind of action dude that that Kurosawa was, and he doesn't have that same kind of uh, almost hypnotic rhythm and and you know this you know through line of ambience that that you know makes Ozu's film so distinctive. Uh, but he's 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 very you know very elegant, very focused on the plight of women. Uh, very soulful, lot lot of emotion, uh, but with a certain subtlety. So you know, it, it's you know, my recollection was just kind of immersing myself in these films over the period of about two weeks or so, and and mm-hmm. some of them tend to be pretty long. Uh, the Forty Seven Ronin, I think, is actually like almost four hours or something like that, if I recall correctly. So, you know, these these are films that are going to have to sort of you got to get into that kind of. I don't know that Zen mindset, and just kind of sit down and have an experience with this film. But you know, this is like a two and a half hour movie, so um, yeah, I'm just really intrigued uh, to just again see it in high definition, see some, you know, some supplements that'll put it in context, uh, which you know you just don't get with the Hulu presentation. Right. Uh, but it is. This is this is kind of a, a quiet masterpiece, kind of sliding into the pack here. So uh, hopefully there will it will be an appreciative audience ready to to grasp it. I'm not sure how I can. I must have conflated the talk you've been doing lately about doing this one with thinking I had seen it. Um, yeah, well, we've done the Naruse and we've yes. done some other Japanese stuff. Lots of other Japanese stuff, obviously. But, I think uh, I think yeah. I think I was thinking of Norman Mailer instead. Very similar. <laughs> well, you know, Mailer was a disciple of Mizuguchi. It's a, it's a clear, clear, clear threads of connection. Clear line, right? yes. I love the artwork that they came up with uh, from Michael Boland. Uh, it's so, it, you know. All of the covers, I think, you know, for Ogetsu and Sancho the Bailiff and Life of Oharu, like this, mm-hmm. this is a nice little series of, of pieces of art when you, you know, look at them all together. Yeah, it, it meshes very mm-hmm. well with the Oharu cover in particular. Yes. So, um, all right. So now we can move on to the uh, jumping ahead back to the 20th Blood Simple from the Coen brothers. Yay. I know this is very exciting. This was so back in March, I think it was. We learned that uh, Criterion was going to accept an award at the San Francisco Film Festival or the International Film Festival in San Francisco, and uh, the Cohen Brothers were going to be presenting this award to them, and they were also going to be screening a new restored version of Blood Simple that uh, Janet's had just recently, you know, got the rights to distribute theatrically. They're going to be showing it. Um, around the country this new remaster of the film and i honestly didn't think this was going to be coming so early or so soon from uh criterion proper you know before the theatrical run uh started but here it is and uh, mm-hmm. with a great new cover and uh this looks this looks awesome that is a fantastic cover this is this is one of those uh defining films for me um you, you know, thinking back to seeing this for the first time on VHS in the 80s, I think even before Raising Arizona came out, um, this is really one of those movies when I was in my 20s that was really gobsmacked me. Um, it's, it's, 
and at the same time, I was also into things like the Evil Dead, and knowing that Joel Joel was working on that with Sam Raimi, and in in such a close time frame, you know, looking at the two films, they actually share some uh, some techniques that are they're very interesting to look at. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very very excited about this one. You know, just a few months ago, before Inside Lewin Davis came out, we had no Coen Brothers in the Criterion Collection, and now in the same year, we're getting two of their films. Uh, you know, very exciting times that we're living in to get these. And, and it does, you know, sort of raise the prospect of, of more. I mean, there are so many Coen Brothers films that, you know, in the general sense seem criterion worthy and and uh, would really benefit from all the, you know, the loving care and the deluxe touch and everything like that. Uh, I wonder, do either of you have this, uh, that Coen Brothers you know, box set that has kind of that diagram of kind of the, the profile of a kind of an 1800s looking illustration and it's got uh fargo and raising oh, yeah. arizona with miller's the, crossing with the head and like the yeah with the head the yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right so and well i i was watching i actually i got the blood simple blu-ray playing right now and as i'm looking at the features it does look like there's a few things or two in particular on the old blu-ray that don't seem to be carried over uh one of them is a, a commentary track by uh uh, Kenneth Loring and another one is the uh, Mortimer Young intro. Uh, are either of you familiar with those features? I am. I am. Yeah, I, they're I they're kind of spoofy, comical commentaries that were actually scripted by the Coen brothers and really uh, are, are pretty witty and, and, and kind of a nice little goof off there, but I don't think Criterion's going to bring bringing those over. So if you have the old Blu-ray, you do have something worth holding on to. I, f- I found that uh, commentary to be chuckle-worthy once, but uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't think I was ever going to listen to it again. Um, so yeah, I had the original 2001 DVD that that was on, and um, it's interesting also that, uh, do we know if this is their preferred director's cut that's a couple sh- minutes shorter than the original movie? Mm, I don't know. I haven't been following along with the discussion yeah. on uh, online about that, but... I have to imagine. I mean, they're saying that it's, you know, the, um, you know, approved by the cinematographer and the filmmakers like they uh, they've been involved with this in particular. So I, I would imagine that this would be the, their preferred cut. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Uh, yeah. So there's new conversations between Sonnenfeld and the Coens, um, Dave Eggers and talk, talking with the Coen brothers. Dave Eggers, one of my favorite authors. Yeah. Um, and new interviews with Carter Burwell talking about the, you know, like the music and the sound and everything. And, um, yeah, this looks great. Uh, that cover is just like that cover. They should make a poster of that one. I, that's very eye catching. I really, really like that. I I saw a couple of people complaining about the, the neon look of the cover. And I, and I wonder if that's, if they've seen the movie. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. it, it, it really, it really does invoke the movie very well. I think. Well, it's actually the opening menu on this old Blu-ray. I think when you first turn it on, that's what the opening menu looks like is that same exact cover shot of the guy kind of crawling on all fours with the headlights mm-hmm. behind him. So, you know, that is the iconic moment, or at least one of them. Yes, there's plenty. All right, so the following week, a pretty big week for the Criterion <laughs> Collection, September 27th, is going to be uh, an expensive and long uh week to watch all of these titles but we're getting <laughs> the valley of the dolls beyond the valley of the dolls and the decalogue 
the sublime a... <laughs> to the ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. However, so, we're not getting beyond the Decalogue. <laughs> I know. Where is the beyond the Decalogue? Um, so let's see. Let's start with Valley of the Dolls. This one was has been rumored for quite a long time. I think, uh, you know, over the past year or so, I know I've been talking about it on Off the Shelf, or I've mentioned it there, and I know it's been kind of in the rumor mill where there was a new restoration of the film that was going around to one of the stu- one of the distributors, and many people thought that Criterion uh, was going to pick this one up. Um, let's see, where's my... Uh, I love the... I guess just starting off with the cover art this time, I love uh, Phil Noto, who did the artwork for this. He's a kind of comic book illustrator, and he has a great Tumblr that everyone should follow where he posts a lot of artwork. He's done like a series of um, like comic book superheroes set in the 60s, kind of, you know, almost like Mad Men style in a way. And mm-hmm. uh, he, I think, is just like the perfect choice to do this cover art. Uh, I love it. It's um, great. Yeah. So a new 2K restoration, a uh, an audio commentary track from 2006, new interviews with um, the author, Amy Fine Collins, and um, new video essay from Kim Morgan, um, new, uh, two promotional films, uh, a world premiere voyage, and Jacqueline Suzanne and Valley of the Dolls. Uh, pretty fun when they include stuff like that in these releases. Um, so what do you what do you think about so let's just stay in Valley of the Dolls for a second like this seems pretty big uh, to get this into the collection I am yeah. ecstatic about this yeah me this... too go ahead Dave no that's fine uh, you know this just seems like a very celebratory release I mean all the all the special features all the goodies that they toss in uh, and then the film itself really is just it's such a riot of uh, of its time and and yeah, I don't know. It, it's been it's been quite a few years since I've I've seen it, but uh, I, yeah, I, I just feel like it's just going to be a lot of fun and and just a real eye opener to people who haven't seen it before. Uh, just it, it was in its own way a kind of a breakthrough film for its time, and uh, you know I think I think with all the surrounding features and and some of the retrospective look back stuff, uh, that it's just a nice kind of presentation of the impact it first made. Uh, the, you know the context of the the novel itself and how it kind of you know lit the country on fire, and then you know what it's come to mean to people you know over the years. I I just have to mention one of our uh, you know kind of extended team members, Catherine Stebbins, who's written for the site and been on a few podcasts. You know she she even expressed a little surprise that Criterion was kind of going a little bit off brand, and she's a huge fan of this movie. So I'm just kind of intrigued by by her response there. But I think it is. It's very. Uh, it's 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 very worthwhile for Criterion to go in this direction, even though obviously it's it's you know not the high art, uh, but you know they've they've been doing a lot of things besides high art for a long time as well. Oh, of course, I mean this is just kind of the the epitome of an event film from the from the later '60s, and you know it 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 says so much about the time. Maybe not what was maybe not real life, but just says a lot about the time of how it was. Uh, perceived in, from film, and I, I last watched this about two months ago, and <laughs> it had been quite a few years before I seen it. And you know, it is just—it's one of the most wonderfully trashy movies I've ever seen, and it's just so much fun. Um, in fact, uh, <laughs> Maggie and I have been quoting uh, uh, 
Neely Harris, uh, Patty Duke quite a bit because every time we walk past my the uh, Criterion Collection shelves, and every every once in a while, one of us will say, "Art films, they're nudies." <laughs> one of the greatest lines in the movie. <laughs> It's, inter- it's also interesting that just a few months ago, we got The Graduate. The Graduate was released on December 21st, 1967, Valley of the Dolls, December 15th, 1967, just a week earlier than The Graduate. Well, wow. and, I, and I put those two films like right side. I mean, they even though I didn't see them when they first came out, I was just a little kid, but I remember hearing about them. I remember the, the buzz that they created and... You know, that buzz lasted for a couple of years, it seems, and, and you know, obviously the legend of those two movies has grown, even though maybe they've <laughs> grown somewhat in different directions. But mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they really are these these period pieces of this really, you know, this cultural eruption that was going on in in, in Hollywood in the United States uh, in general, and uh, you know, just kind of ripping the lid off of things. And and you're right, Keith, it's it's how these films were perceived and and what they implied about changes that were happening in society and in the in the in the personal lives of of a lot of people right right i always wondered if those if the dolls the pills it always looked like just big jars of mike and ike's but oh yeah yeah hot tamales (laughs) hot tamales yeah so we're also getting beyond the valley of the dolls the russ meyer film from 1970 i think um another one that people have been talking about coming to the collection for a while now just because of i think Roger Ebert's Phantom Page has been around on the Criterion website for a while, and so this is one where people kind of assumed that this was coming. Uh, this one also recently got a Blu-ray release from uh, the folks at Arrow Films in the UK. Back in January, they released Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls plus the Seven Minutes, um, as a kind of limited edition version. And now they're going to be re-releasing it in September also as a standalone blu-ray release so this is coming out so if you missed out on that one and you live in the uk uh you'll be able to get this one there but uh another amazing piece of art that they came up with for beyond the valley of the dolls from uh jim rugg who uh has worked with criterion before on that zadoichi box set that we were just talking about um he did the cover for the zadoichi's cane sword and um he's a you know a really fun comic book artist that uh I'm glad Criterion is working with, but he really went to town at, at drawing all of these different characters uh, from the movie. That's an amazing cover. Very busy, but very, very fun. Yeah. So again, uh, a new high def- high definition digital restoration. They don't, you know, it's not, it doesn't say it doesn't list it as 4K or 2K or anything. Um, this also includes the audio commentary featuring Roger Ebert, as well as another audio commentary track with with Dolly Reed and Cynthia Myers, Harrison Page, and um, and others. Uh, a new interview with John Waters talking about this film. We can talk about uh, another John Waters release uh, after we get through this September stuff. But um, this this disc is stacked. I mean, new interviews, um, old interviews, Q and A's, uh, docu- you know, documentaries about the film. Um, uh, Glenn Kenny, uh, a film critic that I uh, often read, is doing the essay for this one. Yeah. Well, I've this never is... seen this one, though I've, I've never felt all that compelled to get into Russ Meyer, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Way back in the day, I used to I had a friend that would lend this to me on Laserdisc, and I watched it four or five times, and I don't know what the hell to think about it. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's um, it's crazy. It 
certainly not a sequel to uh, Beyond, or not a sequel to Valley of the Dolls, but it certainly kind of takes that whole attitude we were talking about of that late 60s that Valley of the, the Dolls was exposing or showing us and kind of just amps it up by a thousand, makes a, a very weird, funny satire out of a satire, really. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad to see these together. You know, I was talking earlier about, you know, not telling the Val, Val, Luton's, Val Luton's story. But I'm really glad that they put these two together to kind of tell that that story of this excess in the two movies. Um, you know, I remember it was about a decade ago when when there was so much scuttlebutt on the forums and everything about this coming to Criterion, and everybody was hoping against hope. And I, if I remember right, it was very close to happening, and then 20th Century Fox just decided to keep it for themselves. Back in the the early days of Criterion, yeah, the the DVD days, yeah. yes. Well, uh, it is finally here. So, um, yeah, I you know there are some interesting sort of debates and speculations. Would this be a box set? Would it would it be one or the other? I mean, I, I recall not too long ago seeing arguments. So it wouldn't be the uh, you know the original Valley. That's just too you know too you know bubblegum or two whatever you know and 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 people would argue back and forth uh they've separated it out as two two individual releases rather than a box set and i think i think the argument can be made that for people who are not completionists who are perhaps more selective about <laughs> about their films there there are probably significant camps who would really like one but not the other <laughs> sure in, in in favor of both films so i think they made a pretty smart marketing decision just to sort of separate them out like that i think they did yeah and before we move on, I wanted to bring up one other piece of interesting trivia that I that I realized earlier today. Um, you know, we have such a packed month here with a lot of uh, varied titles, but I did find a a thread through a few of these that might you might find surprising. Um, so Mark Robson, the director of Valley of the Dolls, was actually the editor on Cat People. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Really, that that far apart in time that. Yeah, I didn't know Robson was was obviously that old when he. That seems like a film made by maybe a younger director, but yeah, you would think so. Mm-hmm. And he was also the director of something that was very near and dear to my nine year old heart, and that was uh, Earthquake with Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> so he's had quite he had quite the varied career. I guess yeah, I also yeah. forgot to mention that the this was teased at on the wacky New Year's drawing. There was the little dolls in that, uh, as well as the latest um, email newsletter drawing. We got the the valet of the dolls. Yes. Um, you know, it's fun when they uh, when they you know tease at those in the email newsletters and then announce them so quickly afterwards. Although it's sometimes it's fun when they don't and they give you a little bit more time in between when they do their email newsletter when and to when they actually announce it so that people have, you know, more time to argue and say, well, maybe it's this, you know, they haven't announced this yet. So maybe, you know, it could still be this other thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last release of the month, the Decalogue Spine 837. We're racing towards Spine 900. It seems like we're yeah, going to we get are. there much faster than uh, we've gotten to some of the others in the past. Well, they could have given this one, you know, 11 spine numbers, you know, one <laughs> yeah. for each of the films and sped up the process a little bit, right? Yeah. 
I know. Could you imagine if they had done that with Zatoichi too, where they had given each of the films their own <laughs> spine number, even if they didn't, you know, list them all on the actual spine itself? You want to hear something really scary? What if on the re-release they go back and add spine numbers? Uh, <laughs> or well, they, they, A, you know, <laughs> A, B, C. Or right, what, there did, you go. what did they do with the the with um the uh what is the box set that has like the point releases for each of the films? Uh, in Brazil. Case? Yeah, Brazil. That was fifty one point one point two point three. Wasn't there another one? I think like um. The brackage does the do the brackage ones have point releases for the films in included in it? I don't uh, recall. I don't think. So. I mean, the the boxes themselves. Uh, well, you know, there's there's the it, it, that's that one's a little bit weird because you have the volume two which has a box. Well, let me see if I can grab it real quick. Or do we really need to get into that? <laughs> we, we totally, we definitely do not. We'll, we'll that save that for the completion for you listeners yeah. who really want to dig into this. We'll, we'll find us on Facebook, right? That'll be hour 23 of the Criterion Completion, yes. But right. it was really good that they did that with Brazil, 0.1.2.3, because then when they combined it all into one Blu-ray package, they didn't have to mess with anything. Yeah. So the a couple of, so this has been you know requested of Criterion to release for years now. People have been asking about this on their Facebook page, and you know there's been lots of discussion about bringing more Kraslovsky to the collection. And uh, the Decalogue was one that, you know, they, they had mentioned during one of the Wexner talks as far as like them saying, yes, we're working on it. Um, I think this was also mentioned someone at like on the Criterion Forum, I think, had gone to one of the film festivals in Europe. And this was um, mentioned by someone who works at Criterion is coming. And, um, you know, there was also that Blu-ray release in Poland recently that um, I think we had talked about at some point where... Um, oh, the, you know, and this also played, they showed a couple of the ep- restored episodes at the can during the can classics lineup this year. And, That's right. um, there was even recently like a trailer that MK2 put out in Europe where they're going to be, uh, distributing those films, I think theatrically maybe. And, um, so you got to see a little bit glimpse of the restoration. Uh, the, the Blu-ray in Poland has not gotten good reviews and I think it's the wrong aspect ratio, uh, for the films. And so presumably this new, this release from Criterion will be uh, the correct aspect ratios. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't list them here uh, on the page itself, but I'd have to imagine that they know what they're doing here, hopefully, and not going to (laughs) anger all of the, you know, the purists. Well, we always expect they know what they're doing and, and more, most often they do. Yes. Well, I mean, let's, let's say this, this really feels like a candidate for the release of the year maybe not oh, even yeah. just for criterion but across the spectrum of of blu-rays at least maybe in in the usa or the west so uh yeah pr- pretty amazing package and it looks like again they've they've just pulled all, all the stops with all the supplements and extras you know you've got the expanded versions of a short film about killing and a short film about love so very comprehensive they're not going to try to wheedle those out into a separate release or anything like that uh and you know, I, I'm intrigued. You know, you got the one cover shot there. Obviously, that's probably just going to be the slipcase. Uh, I'm just really intrigued to see how they use those uh, ten squares. Uh, you know, in that little diagram to maybe you know do some interior art. Uh, yeah, this is just one I'm going to be really savoring when I get my hands on it. One of those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that cover. It's uh, 
it's very eye-catching and minimalist to it, it makes me when when i see that cover i just think wow that is so minimalist that there's got to be a lot in here and there is so um yeah this will be interesting to see if, how they top this over the following you know in the following months leading up to december like is there going to be still a a bigger release that they could do in November as their big, you know, release of the year, which they've typically saved for that month. You know, they've already done the the vendors trilogy and now the Decalogue. Um, that's, you know, it's going to be hard to top these ones this year for, you know, box set wise. Like, I guess we still have potentially a lone wolf and cub box set that they've kind of teased at on the wacky new year's drawing. You know, they did Zadoichi in November, so maybe they'll do a you know Lone Wolf and Cub box set in November as well, um, for the you know for the genre fans out there. So. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to see something in September that could potentially be the big one for the year. But yeah, it makes you it makes you excited and and wonder about November. Have Have either of you seen any of the Decalogue? Uh, years ago, I think I borrowed the you know the the old DVD set from the library. But I was again, I was still watching on a kind of a you know a tube TV. I, mm-hmm. From what I remember, the transfer wasn't all that good. I that was before I was even you know much of a connoisseur of you know transfers and resolution all that. I just kind of popped in the right. DVD and watched it. Uh, so I was intrigued, but I I think you know this this new presentation will just you know illuminate the experience for me and i you know, hadn't really watched much kieslowski uh, i think about probably seen one of the three colors films blue or something like that so mm-hmm. it was more of a reputation thing it's like oh this looks interesting but i i don't think i was really um prepared or really understanding what i was getting myself into but so uh i, I was I in exactly the same boat mm-hmm. i've seen i've seen a couple of them i couldn't even tell you which ones at this time anymore but it was one of those situations where it was like it was wow this is really impressive but i don't think i'm ready for it yet and now now i know i am and i can't wait so uh eight releases from criterion in november probably the most expensive month that criterion has ever uh, i was trying i was i think i did the math earlier and it, you know you're if you even if you wait during for the barnes and noble sale you're still spending you know easily over $200 if you wanted to get everything. Yeah, uh, there's no easy month. way out there. <laughs> you just no, take the plunge. Yeah. I mean, luckily with Zadoichi, most of us already have this set, and so that Blu-ray edition is only for the folks out there who have just been putting it off. And, you know, hopefully there are still enough out there for Criterion to make uh, their money back on this, but I have to imagine that there's a lot of people out there that already have that on their shelf. Yeah. By my count, 43 titles in one month. Is that the biggest uh, month, you know, excluding the Janus box set and all that other stuff? Like, this this has to be the biggest month. Well, you'd have to go back to the same month that Zadoichi came out the first time, but I, I would think that this beats it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there was the the uh, World Cinema Project that came up, but that was the following month. There was nothing else, like, with Zadoichi and the Decalogue in the same month. That's just colossal, you know? It is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this, you know, the Decalogue might be a good one also, you, you know, to have like the individual spine number, like point releases for each of the films. But, you know, I guess we'll see how they what they end up doing with it. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about um, a few other pieces of news before we wrap things up for the night. Um, the 
uh, Janice Films is, uh, you know, in what is the film festival that's going on right now on the East Coast um, in like uh, New Hampshire? Is that where it is? Or uh, anyway, like Multiple Maniacs, John Waters, Multiple Maniacs. Oh, right. This one um, was revealed by Janice. They sent out the press release saying that they were going to be that they had done a new restoration of John Waters film. You know, John Waters appeared at the Criterion Collection offices last uh, November, I think. And, you know, there with in that shot on Instagram with Angela Lansbury. And a lot of people were guessing what he might be there for. And um, it seems now like, you know, and, obvi- and we just mentioned that he's going to be on one of the supplements for um, for Valley of the Dolls. And so, uh, you know, he's probably there for multiple reasons. But it's nice to know that now one of his films, Multiple Maniacs, this film that is, you know, has been to- notoriously hard to find and see is going to be getting a release from Janice. It's playing now um i think it's gonna be coming soon to new york i think and um we'll be playing you know they'll have like a little run around the country with it um and then you know an inevitable criterion collection uh blu-ray release uh john waters is who the one you know there was a time in my life when john waters spoke to me quite a bit i think those days are over but from a nostalgic standpoint, I, I'm very excited about this. As, as I've said in other places, um, Pink Flamingos was my introduction to the Criterion collections on Laserdisc. So um, I'm, I'm very you interested passed to the see. initiation, I guess. I did, I did. <laughs> it, it's one of those movies um, that I'm, I, I almost feel like I'm going to, it's almost going to be missing something in such a nice print. It, to me, that's something that you kind of find on an old worn out VHS tape and you watch it and you feel like you've just, you know, transported into some odd world that you had no idea was there. And, you know, that'll still come across on Blu-ray, but it will be a different experience for me. So the film festival that I was trying to think of is the Provincetown Film Festival. That's, uh, that was just going on. Um, and now it's going to be playing. I think it's the theatrical premiere is in New York. It's going to be August 5th. And so this just played last week in Provincetown. Um, so, yeah. How are the reviews? Uh, it seemed like everyone was loving. It. I think they also showed Blood Simple, the the uh, remastered Blood Simple at the same film festival, too. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, this movie is totally schlocky. And uh, I, th- I think it'll, you know, it, it's certainly not going to be the same type of crowd that appreciates other criterion films but uh i can't wait to see it you know this new restoration of it it uh it highly it highly depends on your your love for or acceptance of lobster sex so you just (laughs) that's where you have to start well you know it is interesting with with both of the valley of the dolls movies and and multiple maniacs now i mean the criterion's definitely you know branching off in some different directions and i'm probably there are some classic foreign cinema fans who are perhaps a little bit aghast and appalled and you know like i said this is, these aren't the movies that i would you know you know be beating a tra- a path to uh if they weren't part of the collection but i you know, i guess i'll just say the collection's uh endorsement uh and, and i've seen pink flamingos i've seen uh uh, female trouble and some of the earlier John Waters stuff. So I, I kind of know the territory. I've never seen multiple maniacs because it is so hard to find. And, uh, you know, I'm not even sure I don't, I don't have the same nostalgic, uh, fondness, maybe even that Keith does, but you know, it was a, it was a transgressive breakthrough and it was a taboo that I guess that just needed to be shattered. So here's the evidence for it. 
So another title that Janus Films has picked up the theatrical rights to is the uh, documentary Camera Person by Kirsten Johnson, which played at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. This one is um, a documentary that kind of uses a lot of her footage that she that you know from her other work. So she's done movies like Citizen Four and the film. This film is not yet rated, and um, she takes footage that she's shot and kind of now puts it all together into this documentary, um, almost like a biography of her, but it's really just stuff that she's photographed um, over the years on different movies, kind of pieced together into a um, in, into somewhat of a narrative about herself. But it's really like, you know, a bunch of disconnected pieces making this this image when you put them all together. Um, but they'll be they'll be showing this one. Um, I don't think they have a, a release date yet for when this is going to be playing, but uh, you know, this will inevitably get it, be getting a you know a spine number from Criterion down the line. Yeah, I, I watched a couple uh, clips on YouTube. So she's out there giving some talks, and there's some segments. She also uh, worked on Fahrenheit 9/11, which I thought was pretty interesting little mm-hmm. connection there. I'm looking forward to this quite a bit. I mean, we've had you know a fair amount of focus on on. D.A. Pennebaker lately in the collection, and it's nice to see um, some, you know, similar type attention paid to somebody of, you know, maybe a newer generation, and it's just uh, looking forward to it quite a bit. All right, so let's talk about some phantom pages before we close things out for tonight. The, uh, let's see how many there have been. I have a little list going here, um, but I mean, there's like a dozen or so people that have been added, uh, you know, so I guess for anyone who isn't out there who doesn't pay attention to, to what the phantom pages are, they are, I mean, anytime Criterion adds a, uh, a actor or filmmaker uh, to their website, they get their own page, which will inevitably get them, you know, the, the movies that they're associated with will be listed on that page. And um, if you take the time and you kind of, uh, obsessively go through and you know uh, inc- increment the numbers by one. You can discover you know new people on the cri- on the Criterion Collection website. Uh, I don't know why they haven't like hidden this uh, in the years that the you know I know that they that people on the Criterion forum love you know guessing about this stuff and it is kind of fun sometimes. Um, but also on you know new release day, this can be the big reveal for what Criterion has in store, and so. Sometimes these are a little bit of a spoiler uh, for for some folks out there. They consider these, you know, I know like Blu-ray.com people will get up in arms whenever people start talking about what phantom pages have been added. And so um, I I don't mind them. I, I you know, I kind of enjoy, uh, you know, digging around and trying to find stuff. But it does lead to more obsessive behavior, which can't you know isn't always great <laughs> and 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 premature anxiety i guess yes, yes. Yes. i don't want just want to get into john hughes there <laughs> yeah. so yeah so one of the so one of the more recent uh additions to the phantom page collection is this listing for john hughes this one uh you know it's kind of surprising i think maybe that he hasn't already been talked about as terms in terms of like maybe getting a, you know he's a pretty big name in in film you know in modern uh movies even if he maybe isn't considered like high art cinema um but he now has a phantom page which led a lot of people to discuss what might you know which of his films might get a criterion collection release uh a lot of people on our 
on our own team here in our own little private discussions had uh there's a lot of people saying like i don't you know i guess david what do you well, yeah, what yeah do you thanks for not overtly throwing me <laughs> under the bus there well you know i mean i <laughs> i'm just thinking what are we talking about here i mean you know I, you know the john hughes films that, that first come to mind you know ferris bueller breakfast club uncle buck they, you know, all that kind of stuff i mean i just see those on the you know 599 racks at walmart or in target uh-huh. and it's like you know i don't really need a you know a, even a discounted price point of course they wouldn't do that for for these films these are these are big deal type of movies but you know they're they're just so you know right down the the middle of the road i mean and some of these movies are fun and and i can laugh and i mean i i actually use the breakfast club uh you know several scenes when i do trainings at work sometimes because there's there's some great moments and these are archetypal comedies about american suburban life and all of that but you know to me criterion does have this kind of uh you know sort of subversive countercultural edge to it and i just don't want to see him completely embracing what has become kind of you know vanilla standard type of uh, you know middle class entertainment so i don't know if that's just me being a snob or just look you know you, you can get these movies out there for pretty cheap and they they give you exactly what you need from those films so i don't really know that a criterion edition is really gonna add much i don't need a criterion edition of Oh, I don't know, the sound of music or or uh, you know, other just, you know, pretty you know, pretty broad based, crowd pleasing stuff. Um I like criterion just to kinda of keep a little bit of that distinct identity that's just a little bit, you know, off the beaten track, whether that's you know, not even the political or cultural symbol or anything like that, but just you know, just not not stuff that you're gonna bring home to mom and grandma. But like, you know, Criterion also does things like the big chill and Tootsie and broadcast news and yeah, uh, yeah, all, yeah. all that uh-huh. stuff. Like those all feel kind of like the same, you know, in that same genre of, of John Hughes type movies, too. Yeah, I just don't feel it. It doesn't. It, I, I, I look through the whole his whole film, you know, over and, and I don't see one. I just I can't I can't figure out which one it could be. Right, I and mean, there, there's, there's, I, I think Moises was talking about some kind of wonderful as, you know, there's a few sort of lesser known or maybe less celebrated titles uh, before he hit that big, you know, groove, uh, you know, that just made him a huge cash cow for a while. So perhaps, I mean, some of those films I haven't seen, or maybe if I have, I haven't watched them close enough to really give them that kind of regard. But yeah, the, the initial reaction was just kind of gave me the hives. <laughs> <laughs> And you're talking to a guy who saw Ferris Bueller nine times in the theater. So nine times. Yeah, um, a National Lampoon's Animal House. I don't need a Criterion version of that. You know, that's I yeah. guess, a different type of film, but that same kind of, you know, broad you know, gimmick or whatever. Well, actually, guys, I just looked it up, and oddly enough, John Hughes was the film editor on the remake of Cat People. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you had me there. <laughs> well, I I don't mind John Hughes, I guess, as much as others. And uh, but it seems like you know, I don't know what the consensus is as far as like what people think might come from John Hughes being in the collection, like Sixteen Candles or The Breakfast Club. I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off seems like it's too big for them, or like you know, it seems like the studio would they re-release that movie every couple of years anyway. And so to have Criterion do it as well, seems kind of unnecessary. Um, 
but I don't know. I do feel like she's having a baby was a little underappreciated, but it still doesn't rise to the level of criterion. I, I still don't feel it. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, you know, there have been, there are phantom pages in the, in, on the website that haven't, you know, yielded anything yet. So it might just be criterion is kind of messing with everyone to see what, you know, what we, we all talk about in, you know, in response to them adding this phantom page. Maybe, maybe just... it's a long, maybe it's a long con on a, a on another April Fool's joke. <laughs> yes. I haven't done one for a while. Yeah. Um, so another another big name like John Hughes, I think, is Robert Zemeckis. Uh, his name popped up with the Phantom page recently, and which has led a lot of people to discuss, like you know, what are the underappreciated Robert Zemeckis movies, and um, which led me to go back and rewatch some of uh, his film Contact, which I love, but. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily coming into the collection, but yeah, hard I don't to know. say. Yeah, it's hard to if say. You, if you keep talking like this, you're going to tell me Michael Bay is in the collection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it's that crazy to have people like Robert Zemeckis or John Hughes in the collection, but we'll see. Um, and now recently, uh, within the last few days, uh, names like Todd Browning and Harmony Corinne and Raoul Walsh uh, have have had Phantom Pages added, uh, and John Cameron Mitchell. So um, John Cameron Mitchell of uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That seems like a you know a, a perfect Criterion uh, release. Um, Harmony Corinne. That was that one's a little bit trickier as far as like which of his films you know like would it be Gummo? Would it be Kids? Something like that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And then Todd Browning. I mean, people have been wanting a release of Freaks for uh, you know for ages. And um, has well, Warner Brothers never done well by that? I, I can't remember ever seeing what their packages would have been in the past. Uh, there have been DVD releases, and it has ended up streaming. I think, but I don't know if there's a high definition version of it streaming anywhere. Um, and I think I don't have it on my list here, but I think didn't James Whale also show up? Uh, a phantom page for James Whale. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that was also connected, connecting to like a, you know, Criterion recently tweeted about seeing a, you know, uh, a still or like a negative from Frankenstein. And, you know, to have a Frankenstein release from Criterion would just be, you know, a dream come true for me. I love the Frankenstein story. I love that movie. I love a lot of the stuff that James Whale did. And, um, I think there was another James Whale movie that people were maybe talking old, about. Old Dark House. Old Dark House, this, yeah. That would yeah. Be. I just can't see Universal letting those go. I mean, they go back to that well every two or three years to for for new new packaging on those um, you know Universal monster movies. Definitely. Well, you know, we kind of talked about that with some of the Stanley Kubrick re-releases. Or, True. I think we talked about Citizen Kane even. Like, if there was a Criterion version a lot of people would double or triple or quadruple dip just to get that one because you know the presumption is that they would throw some extra stuff in there put in a kind of an elite packaging and and all of that so uh, i can i could see studios saying yeah let's go ahead and keep the rights and do a criterion thing sort of as a a one-off to just sort of expand the market a little bit yeah i mean we're about we're just about to get dr strangelove again on blu-ray even though there's like already a great blu-ray out there very true very true well, we're still, I, I, th- this is my own little guess, but uh, with all that type of stuff going on, I still say Citizen Kane is Spine 1000. <laughs> that would be, uh, I, I'll, sure, I'll go for that. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, let's start wrapping things up here. I think we've sure. touched on the phantom pages that I wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, it's fun looking at all of these different releases for September. September's uh, episode of Chronicles is just going to be uh, quite a beast to wrangle all this stuff. I mean, I'm not going to... A two-parter. <laughs> yeah, it might have to be a two-parter. Um, I mean, I can't... Beyond, beyond the episode of the Chronicles. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How many times can I use this joke? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, David and Keith, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Everyone should be... Uh, th- there's a new episode of the Eclipse Viewer that just went up today. Yes, uh, and we've got... Uh, that's the Kurahara, Koryoshi Kurahara. And we've got uh, part two to record on Saturday. So I've been a pretty busy podcasting beaver this week. And uh, wow. then I'm going on vacation after that. So I'll just have a chance to put <laughs> the mic down for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> and Keith's new episode of the Criterion Completion Hour is now up on our website as well as uh, over at CriterionCompletion.com where you can hear him talking about all the different forms of being Criterion Complete as well as a little interview with me. Yes, an interview with you. And number two um, is going to be our other guest this evening. So That's right. David... That was a spoil it right now. But yeah, I'm going to take <laughs> yeah. a vacation. Then I'll come back fresh and fired up and ready to get into my dark, obsessive history <laughs> with the Criterion <laughs> Absolutely. Collection. But I, I got to say, Keith, you know, for people who haven't listened yet, or even if they have, y- your production is really impressive. You you must have like a, a working studio or sound lab or something. It's just really, really cool, the you know, the, the clips and, and just the, you know, the obvious time and care you put into, you know, just producing a nice little soundscape for the interview itself, the main event to, to be framed in. So good job on that. Thank you very much. I had somebody ask me today if I if I did it at NPR Studios, and no, I didn't. But thank you for the uh, thank you for the compliment. The problem is is that I took a week of vacation myself to not only record the material but learn how to do all this stuff. So yeah, you've set a I high th- bar, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think work is going to let me off a, a week every month to record these. So <laughs> we'll see how number two comes out. Yep, and now you've now you know the the uh, the plight of the podcaster. Oh yes, yeah. Skype and run. That's my math. That's Skype my method right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but thanks for mentioning that. And Ryan, thanks for being uh, my first guest. Uh, the 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 feedback that I've been getting is very gratifying. And uh, yeah, I can see how this can get addicting. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for downloading the show, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>